Just like a muscle, here we will grow stronger for his sake and for the sake of the gospel. So please, brothers and sisters, join me here at Jacked for Jesus. Hello, brothers and sisters. This is Jacked for Jesus. Um, I am your host, Andrew Kufal. Um, disclaimer before I get started here. I am not a professional Bible scholar or a pastor or anything like that. Um, so please, everything you hear from me today, of course, I'm going to be reading from the Bible. So that is uh, words you can trust. Um, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, I encourage you to listen to this. Um, but any commentary I make, please recognize that I am not perfect. I am human. Um, so I can make mistakes in logic uh, and things like that. So I ask um, for some patience and um um, understanding for that. Today, for the first episode of Jacks for Jesus, um, I really wanted to talk about um, kind of the basics of Christianity. Um, and I'm going to be reading from Jap- uh, John chapter 14 here. Um, and I'm going to be pulling in some other Bible verses, but I, I kind of want to stick with this chapter for the most part and kind of give um, the viewers that are either Christians or non Christians a better understanding of what Christianity is about um, and how Jesus did what he did as our Messiah, as our Savior. Um, so to before I start reading the Bible here, um, and just so everyone knows, I'm reading mostly from the New American uh, Revised Bible, um, but I will also be reading some quotes from the um, New Language Translation. In case anyone has different versions than that. Um, Before we get started here, I would like to pray. Uh, So, uh, Lord, I ask all of these um, people, brothers and sisters, under your name, Lord. I pray that they may hear your words today and that um, whatever convictions that need to be made or um, whoever's hearts need softened, Lord, I ask that you may touch them today um, with your gospel, with your truth, Lord, um, that is beyond complete human comprehension, Lord, uh, that is the way, the truth, the light, um, and the narrow way, Lord. I ask that you may um, bless this podcast, that you may bless everybody listening to this right now, um, and Lord, I ask that uh, your Holy Spirit may guide me today um, in this session. Uh, and that everyone listening will have a good week um, and may encounter you, Lord, if they haven't already. Um, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to just start reading from uh, John chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 15, and then I'll um, slow down here and start um, discussing some of the things that stick out to me. Um, and so the, some of the messages that come to my mind um, as I read these verses. Um, so I'll be starting chapter 14 uh, in John, the gospel. The last supper discourses. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know that way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that we will be enough, and that will be enough for us. Jesus spoke to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. 
or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. Okay, everybody, um, that was John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15. Um, and I just want to get the conversation started about what I feel like these verses are talking about. Um, the, fir- the first thing that really stuck out to me as I was reading through this verse is actually in the very first line of John chapter 14. The Lord says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God, have faith also in me. Um, and for people that haven't, that aren't familiar with this um, chapter, with this gospel, I want to fill you in with a little bit of context about the conversation before this. Um, so, um, the chapter before this, two of Jesus, two of Jesus' disciples, um, Judas and Peter, um, Jesus announced that they would betray him in some way or another. Um, so many of us as Christians know that Judas um, kind of like ratted out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Um, and for anyone that's curious, that's John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30. Um, and, and then just a little bit after that, um, Jesus also announced that Peter was going to um, deny knowing the Lord three times. And so what stuck out to me about the start of chapter 14 was the fact that Jesus, even knowing that his beloved disciples are going to betray him, stated, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I want to emphasize that phrase for a moment. Um, And I actually believe that he goes on to say this uh, one or two more times in John chapter 14. Um, I just want you to pause for a moment and put yourselves in the shoes of Judas or Peter. You're sitting there eating with the Lord and you think, oh my goodness, Jesus, whom, whom they believe is God himself on earth. Jesus just told me that I'm going to betray him. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but if I was in that position, I would be seriously freaking out. And so before Jesus prefaces um, his conversation uh, in this verse at, at the Last Supper, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I think that is one of the one of the strongest messages in the Bible for children of God is saying, do not be afraid, for I am with you. And he actually goes on to talk about this as well. He says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Um, but even then, if I was Judas or Peter, I would be super stressed. So I, I, I really, really love how Jesus started saying, do not be afraid. Um, and this and do not fear or some, uh, some variation of that phrase. It's actually in the Bible 365 times one day. I mean, one time for every day of the year. Um, yes, so that's that's God. That's the Lord telling us, do not be afraid. You, you have me. Do not be afraid. Trust in me. Have faith in me. Um, yes. Uh, okay, I see what I was going to talk about next. Um, another thing that is in this is Jesus states, I am the way. And the truth in the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And this is a very, very powerful phrase, and it's and it's a, and it's a it's a verse that a lot of Christians know. Um, but I just want to extend the context of this phrase for a moment. Um, for people listening to this that are not Christians, um, as children of God, as Christians, we believe that Jesus came down to earth so that the Lord came down to earth in the form of a man, completely man and completely, uh, completely man and completely God and died on the cross for our sins. So when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life, um, he is not being metaphorical. He is not being uh, hyperbolic. He is being literal in this verse. 
So when he says, I am the way, in, the, in this phrase, he is talking about being the only way in, to the only way to to be in God's house, to be in heaven, um, to reside with the Lord, because as fallible humans in the old covenants, um, salvation was based on following the law given to them um, by the Lord through His servant Moses. So in this line, Jesus acknowledges that we, as fallible and perfect beings, can never reach a perfect place. Um, by following laws, that we are all fallible, that we will have all broken one of those laws at some point in our life. So as Jesus says, I am the way, he is saying, receiving me and receiving what I'm about to do so that he hasn't done what he hasn't died on a cross yet. This is before before that moment. But this verse is important because he says, for those who receive me, for those who receive my ultimate sacrifice on the cross, because I love all of you infinitely, and I know all of you are imperfect, and you can never get to heaven on your own. I have come to pay for your sins, to, to pay the price, to, to, to go through the punishment that all of you deserve, so that you may have a way into heaven. And so he says, I am the way, he means that literally. And then he, the phrase continues and says, and the truth and the life. Um, and the life one is kind of the same concept of him being the way to salvation. He is speaking about spiritual life when he says that. He says, you cannot live spiritually um, after this world without Jesus. That he is the only way to not spiritually die, to not um, face the gnashing of teeth um, in the pits of hell. He says, I am the only way to that. Um, but then he says, I am the truth. And this is, this is Jesus emphasizing that he, that he and the Lord, the Lord, the God, God, our father is objectively truth. He is truth because he knows everything. He has created everything. Everything bows down to him in authority. So says, I am the truth. He, Jesus, all of these good traits that all of us as humans, um, whether we're spiritual or not, all of these traits that we pursue with enthusiasm, with enthusiasm in this life, like joy, like love, like peace, um, like self-control, like purpose, like identity, all of these concepts that even now, even more than ever, seems to be elusive in in our modern world. All of these wonderful gifts, Jesus is the definition of. He is the objective standard for these things. If God is the creator of the universe, everything that he makes, everything that bows down to him is good in some image. Um, And God's objective and everlasting characters define what goodness is in this life. Um, and so, yes, that's my commentary about Jesus saying, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's just him continuing to say, I am the only way because all of you are imperfect. And if you try to reach heaven, if you try to reach um, a good afterlife without Without me, you will fail because you're imperfect humans. Jesus was the only human that was perfect because he was also God. So that's how that works. <laughs> um, anyway, let me continue here. Um, so John uh, chapter 14, verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, I have been with you for so long a time and you still do not know me, Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I wanted to talk about this verse, well, a a portion of this verse um, for a moment. Because I think it helps give credibility to who Jesus is as a person. Um, Many religions acknowledge Jesus in some um, form or another. A lot of historical accounts and testimonies and journaling um, from this time period 
um, recognizes that Jesus was a person, um, whether he was a prophet in people's eyes or just a person or a lunatic or whatever you want to call him. But here Jesus is saying, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And this is significant because uh, we, we have the concept of the Trinity saying the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and Jesus is saying that he is the Father by saying, who has seen me has seen the Father. So in this way, he is saying, I am like the Father in the sense that I am the Lord. Even though there's three persons of the Lord, and that's a really hard concept, even for me. Um, I'm not sure if I fully understand that. Um, but what he is saying here that is, I am the Lord. This is one of the times in Scripture where he makes it very clear who he says he is. And so I wanted to point that out. Um, yes, I'm sorry. I'm reading through my some of my notes here just to keep my... Um, thoughts in line. Uh, And so because of this, because of what the Lord has told us in this verse, um, actually, I want to jump down to uh, verse 11. Um, It says, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Let's continue to to say what he's talking about here. Um, But jumping down to verse 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything of me in my name, I will do it. Um, And I love this verse so, so much, guys. I love this verse so much, guys. Um, Because Jesus is saying that he is here and that he's all-knowing. So, yes, he is Lord. So, he is all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all of these other things. And he says, and whatever you ask in my name, I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Um, and and he is referencing, in a way, uh, prayer in this verse. He's saying, whoever prays to me and urgently seeks, urgently asks um, for something that is pleasing to the Lord, whether that is um, wisdom or patience or um, seeking a biblical, excuse me, a biblical um, relationship or uh, anything else that would be pleasing to the, in, to the eyes of God, whether it's drawing closer to him, um, whether it's reformation of our character, of our souls, um, of our thoughts. Um, and the Lord wishes to take care of us, but he also wishes to discipline and to teach us. And so I wanted to point out this verse because a lot of people think, read this and think, well, then I can ask anything of God and he will, he will answer me. He'll, he will um, give me what I'm looking for. He will do what I ask. Um, and the answer to that is maybe because he says, so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask God, Lord, I really, really want this new game. I want it so much. Um, all my other friends are playing it and Lord, I don't know how to get it i don't have the money for it, but please lord uh gift me this uh game console or game or whatever it is um that's not necessarily something that god is going to give to you just because you pray about it because it's not necessarily it's not necessarily glorifying um, the name of god but what this can do is that if we put our full tra- uh, our our full trust and faith in the Lord with our lives. We say, Lord, I submit to you. I want my life to honor your name. I want to be a testimony, a witness of your love, your peace, your grace, your Holy Spirit, Lord. That if we truly pray about these things, if we truly seek these, these things and desire these things, God will do what we ask of him. It might not be quick. It might not be soon. Um, it might not be clear or visible to us, but he will answer He will give us what we're looking for. If if you say, Lord, please help me develop patience and wisdom. God will allow you to go through experiences. He will allow you um, revelations by reading the word that will help you develop patience and wisdom. Now, not all those situations are going to be pleasant for us. They're not going to be easy. A lot of what God calls us to do is not um, so simple or easy in our eyes. Because we have to remember we are asking of an all-knowing, all-powerful God. That uses every person, whether they're a believer or not, for his purposes. 
Um, and so because of that, it's not easy for us to see his plan. Um, but I just want to give you all encouragement that if you're truly, if you truly feel lost, and I'm speaking to everybody here, if you truly feel lost in life and you truly need purpose and you're opening yourself up to the idea of Christ being the Lord or even the concept of a Lord, of a creator, of a God, I want you to seek um reassurance in the fact that if you ask, if you seek, if you say, if you just open up uh, the gates of your heart and say, Lord, I don't know if you're real, but if you are real, I want to pursue you because I know I'm not perfect and that I'm running out of hope in earthly things that all of my happiness seems temporary because I'm seeking temporary things for joy. And if you open up to God like that, he will answer Because it is in his will to bring you to God, to bring you to Christ, to bring you to the foot of the cross so that you receive the sacrifice that Jesus um, made for all of us. So that his holy blood may cleanse you of God's wrath, may cleanse you of the punishment of your sins, so that you may repent and literally start life over as a new person, as a new identity with a new purpose. And with a new friend, a new teacher, and that is the Holy Spirit. Um, and with that, I want to quote uh, to quote some uh, other lines of scripture here. Um, firstly, I think I want to read Job chapter nine, verses thirty-three through thirty-four. And this is going back to the people, the the people that are doubting whether Jesus is real. Um, or if you guys have different religions, different spirituality. Um, I want to make a reference to the Old Testament to show that Old Testament scriptures do indeed point to God. Um, and Jesus himself talks about that in one of the Gospels. I don't have it written down here. Um, but Job chapter 9 verses 32-34 states, If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. The mediator can make God stop beating me, and I will no longer live in terror of his punishment. And this is Job. This is Job, for all of you who don't know. This is Job, who God allowed Satan to test him. Um, and Satan's first attempt at that um, was taking away his property, his family. He basically took away everything that Job lived for in the world so his um his earthly family his earthly home and satan killed all of his family his wife his children his whole estate was wiped out and then um satan continued to cover job in um, rashes and and blisters um and at, at this point of time in scripture job's friends were coming and they were, they were speaking to him. And this is one of Job's remarks. was saying, if only there were a mediator between us. So that I could escape God's wrath. God's judgment. And in this case, he didn't necessarily realize that God was allowing his faith to be tested. But regardless, he says, I will no longer live in terror of his punishment. And all of you who are listening, please, I, I, I beg you to listen to this. He is speaking about Jesus right here. Jesus is the one that took away our fear of punishment because he took upon himself. All sin that was committed in the past, present, and future, Jesus died on the cross for. So in this moment of time, and Job didn't know about it, but he was speaking about Jesus Christ. Um, So I hope, hopefully that helps some of you understand. Um, The concept of a savior, the concept of a mediator, a messiah, is observed throughout the whole Bible. It's more clear in the New Testament, but there are scriptures and stories that point to it in in the Old Testament. Now, moving back to our conversation about um, prayer, this is Luke chapter 11, verse 10. And it says, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Holy Spirit, please touch these people listening to this right now. 
This this verse is saying, anyone who seeks for the truth, who seeks for love, who seeks for joy, who seeks for anything, everyone who is asking about what is real, everyone who's at, who's asking what is my identity, and all of these other questions, almost any question you can think of. Um, this verse is saying that the Lord will show them. And not always, but there will be times where if people are urgently seeking and asking about the truth, about objective morality, about uh, finding real love and real joy and real peace and a world that can't offer those things, that God will open that door. In fact, he, he kept the door open the whole time. But once they knock on that door, once they seek those kind of answers and those meanings in life and those fruits of the Holy Spirit, that God will answer, that God will allow this person to find those things. So all of you who are Christians and struggling with life right now, um, just just seek God honestly. And it might not be soon, but he will give you what you're looking for. He will carry you through. And you can trust him with everything. I, I swear on that. You can trust God and Jesus with everything. And the Holy Spirit that resides in you is your will be your best friend ever if you let the Holy Spirit speak. If you, ha- let, if you let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in life. He will show you what you ask for. He will allow you to see what you seek. He will allow you to experience things in God that you never thought you could have experienced before. And with that, I want to continue on uh, to John 14, verses 15 through 30. Um I'll just slow down for a second. I know I'm kind of like overwhelming you guys with information. So I want to slow down for a second and just read some scripture. Um, uh, Hang in with me. Keep an open ear. This is really good stuff here, guys. Okay. John chapter 14, verse 15. The Advocate. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you always. He's talking about the Holy Spirit there. The Spirit of Truth which the world cannot accept because it neither sees nor knows it. But you know it because it remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and observes them is the one who loves me. And whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Judas, not the Iscariot, said to him, Master, what happened that you will reveal to us, you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, Who, Whomever loves me will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling within him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, yet the word you hear is not mine, but that of the Father who sent me. I have told you this while I am with you. The advocates, the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you all that I told you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but the peace I give it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. You heard me tell you, I am going away. I will come back to you. If you loved me, you will rejoice that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. And to clarify, he's talking about Satan when he says the ruler of the world. He has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and that I do just as the Father has commanded me. Get up, let us go. Okay, guys, I love this so much. Um, And this kind of um, builds on the idea um, in the truth and the gospel surrounding the Holy Spirit, which is is the advocate after the advocate. 
Jesus was the first advocate. The Holy Spirit is the second one. And um, let me see what I have written down. Okay. Um, And I've spoken a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, I want to make one comment about um, verse 15. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, And I don't have the scripture in my head right now. Um, but to paraphrase, to uh, paraphrase, sorry, um, this is not referring to the commandments and the laws of the old covenant. That's easy to get wrapped up into um, for people that's been reading the Bible, the people that are on the edge. He does not mean all of these old covenant laws, all of these old covenant commandments um, that the Lord gave to the Israelites through Moses. That is not what he's referring to here. Um, what he means is the the commandments that Jesus gives throughout his time on the earth um, that is described um, in the New Testament. And Jesus says the two greatest commandments is to love is to love God and to love um, the people of God, um, which in this in this sense is everybody to love to love your neighbor. And so Jesus basically saying, if you love me, you will love me um, and you will love my people. Um, and that if, if you have received me, if you have received what I did, um, the spirit of truth, which the world cannot accept, will dwell in you and you will be my temple. And this, is, this continues down to a point that I want to make about um, verse 18, which says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Guys, that is such a beautiful uh, metaphor. I want to say <laughs> that might not be the right word. Um, but he says, I will not leave you orphans. And if we were children of Satan before we came to God, what God is saying is, I will not leave you as these children without a father. My my work on the cross, Jesus' work on the cross, has allowed you a home with my Father. And because of that, you are not an orphan anymore. You are adopted into my kingdom. And you are my home. You are my temple. Because the Holy Spirit dwells in all believers. Everyone who states with open heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Savior. God as the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And if you th- and if you think about that, just imagine that before um, the Holy Spirit came upon us, um, we were like orphans still in the foster system. So we were going about the world, we were going about our life, and we felt like no matter what we did, no matter how good we acted, no matter who we were, it just felt like no one would truly accept us and would truly love us and take us and adopt us into their house up until this point. Imagine years, decades of this sensation. And for some of you, you understand what I'm talking about. Even some of you that aren't orphans just know what it feels like to be lost and hopeless for so long. And Jesus here is saying, I won't let you stay there. I will pick you up. I will hold you. I will love you and care for you as a father would love his child. And I will teach you like you are my child. And that, and, and, and the Holy Spirit talks about that. He said, he will teach you everything and remind you all that I told you. So we have this beautiful, perfect spirit of God dwelling within us that adopts us as his children. So now that we are, we are no longer alone, we have this perfect father and we are so imperfect children. We have this perfect father who loves us, who loves us infinitely that knew us before we were created in our mother's womb. He loved us before the creation of the universe. He knew all of us. He knew every single hair on your body before he even created the earth. And I hope some of you can just wrap your mind around that. That that's the level of love that, that God is. And we can't even comprehend that. But he is this perfect, intense love. And he will never leave us alone. 
We may struggle to hear him sometimes. We may sin, we may rebel, but just as a child and a father is, if you're a perfect, if you're a perfect, patient, compassionate, loving father, as the God, as God is, as the Lord is, if you have an infant that accidentally hurts themselves or wanders off or, or does something silly or gets themselves into trouble, that perfectly patient, tender, and compassionate, loving father is going to like destroy the baby or, 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 or do all these unfair things to him because Jesus came and already wiped us of our sins. He cleaned us of our sins. So when we mess up, that might, that might limit um, our ability to hear the Holy Spirit, to walk with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need continual repentance. But God never leaves our side. God never stops loving us. He doesn't love us less or more depending on what we do. Our favor with God does not change with our actions. And truly, our inheritance in the kingdom of heaven is completely dependent on what Jesus did. And because of that, we can go about this world knowing that God is caring for us. He's teaching us. He's helping us conform to the image of Christ. Um, and he's loving us every second of every day. Right this moment, as you listen to this word, he loves you infinitely. I pray, Lord, that you would touch the hearts of these people, that they may experience a glimpse of that right now. And I think that's something beautiful about that phrase, I will not leave you orphans. And he says, even more, he says, I will come to you. You don't have to find me as a perfect father as a perfect Lord, as complete, as perfect love. You're not going to come to me. You're not going to find me. I'm going to show myself to you. I will come to you and seek you out. I will leave the 99 sheep to find you as the one lost sheep. That's, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, okay, so now I want to... Um, slide down to verse 26... It says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit that the Father will send in my name, he will teach you everything and remind you of all that I told you. And I, I think I read that earlier just now. Um, and this is kind of summarizing some of the stuff that I kind of went on a rant about already. Um, but this is saying, even if you don't have the best understanding of the Bible, which all of you, if you are truly Christians, if you're thinking about uh, being a believer, being a child of God, um, start reading the Bible because the Bible is God's word. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is God's word. So he will always be able to speak to you through the Bible. Um, but what Jesus is also saying that if we have the Holy Spirit residing with it, within us as his temple, that he will teach you everything or remind you of all that I told you. So even if we don't have the best access to a Bible, or all these other things, which I would highly recommend, by the way. Um, but beyond God's scripture, the, the God's word, he can teach us in other aspects of our life. He can teach us through experiences we have, um, just day by day, reformation of our soul. The Holy Spirit can teach us and show us what is right and wrong, what's pleasing to God and what, and what doesn't align with God's will for our life. Um, and remember, he's always patient that if you mess up, he's not going to throw you in the fires of hell because Jesus paid the high price so that we wouldn't, we wouldn't face that judgment. That because of Jesus, we don't have to fear that, that anymore because our salvation is paid for and guaranteed by Jesus on the cross. But what this is saying is that the Holy Spirit will start to amend our life. The Holy Spirit will shape us and the Holy Spirit will get to know us personally. That's something I want to emphasize. The Holy Spirit is your greatest friend and he's a personal spirit within you. He's perfect. He's all loving, all knowing, all powerful, but he's also personal. And there gets to a point where you can start living life to try to please the Holy Spirit. Just like you would try to please your friend. If you truly had a best friend that you loved so much, I I don't think most of us would go around doing these things that our best friend despises and doesn't and doesn't like very much. And it's like, 
and and if we did our our best friend would be like well that's not very nice i don't feel loved by you doing this and even though the holy spirit is an all-loving being that will forever love us um god is calling us to love him too in our thoughts in our prayers and in our actions um not for the not for our salvation but for our intimate relationship with him and that's part of the reason he sent the holy spirit so that we could have that intimate relationship with, with god with this personal being and because of jesus we don't have any boundaries anymore god god can reside in you right now and he is residing in some of you right now and you can be the best friends with god closer than anybody on earth because he knows everything about you he knows everything you need he knows all of your insecurities and he's willing to show you how to help those situations he is willing to love you with everything even if you're not the best to him but he does he calls us to try to do things that pleases the lord and we know that he has prepared good works for us in advance to walk into um I, I, I'm kind of running out of time here, so I, I want to talk a little bit more. Um, this is John uh, 14, verse 30, and it says, I will no longer speak much with you, for the ruler of the world is coming. At Satan, um, he handed himself over to Satan to forgive us of our sins. Then he says, he has no power over me, but the world must know that I love the Father, and I do just as the Father has commanded me. And there's two parts to this, to this that I want to speak, speak about. The first one is he says, he has no power over me. And he, then he says, but. And I want you to know, all, that has, all of you who have received Christ in your hearts, and you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, the devil, Satan, and all of his evil spirits has absolutely no power over you. And if he does, if he is influencing you somehow, as because you are given in to one of his delusions, and God wants to help eliminate that delusion and pull you out of that influence. When we are baptized with the Holy Spirit, the devil is wrapped up in chains because suddenly this spirit that he could tempt and influence and, and make him, the spirit, do all of these things for Satan. Satan's like, oh no, the spirit is stolen with inside of him and it's God. Imagine this person that you used to just influence all the time and suddenly, suddenly your creator who has absolute authority over you, which God does. He has absolute authority over, over, over Satan. That's what Jesus is saying here. He has no power over me. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, the devil doesn't have any power over you either. Because you literally have God within you, guarding your spirit, anointing your spirit with truth and love. So all of you out there that are struggling with addiction, spiritual bondage, spiritual warfare, just remember that the devil has no influence over you. And if you feel like he does... I ask, I challenge you to reflect on your behaviors, the things that you're believing, and check it with what God tells us and see if there's a lie that's crept into your life. Because truly, the devil has no power over us, no authority over us, because we are children of God. I just wanted to put that out there um, because I think that might be a good, um, a good thing for some of you to hear. Because this world is hard and chaotic and messy. Remember, God has all the control, including our lives. He, he, once we are adopted into his kingdom, we are his children. He owns our lives. He owns us. We are in his hands. And so the devil can't truly reach us anymore. Um, and then it continues to say, the world must know that I love the Father. And so this, this is kind of making a distinction again about how Jesus God our Father and the Holy Spirit are kind of three different persons. Um, but he said that the world must know that I love the Father. And because of that, I will do exactly what he has asked. And that is a good example for our lives. We're never going to be perfect. I want to put that out there. But if we truly love God, I think we should desire to start taking steps to please God, to be more godly. 
um, not to build our self-righteousness because we have no self-righteousness. We have no righteousness by ourselves. Our only right, our righteousness only comes from Jesus Christ's precious blood. But we should desire to start treating people kindly, to start forgiving people, to start loving people, to start uh, helping people, to start spreading the gospel so very slowly, planting seeds, watering seeds that have already been planted, having fellowship with each other, all, all these other things that are described in the Bible for us as believers. We should desire to do that at some point. And I also want you, all you to know that God has a purpose for each of you. That he is an individual calling for each of you. And I, I, actually, I actually have a verse I want to read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Um, and I'm going to flip to Ephesians Um. Oh, where is it? Hold on, hold on with me, guys. I'm sorry, I gotta flip the Bible. So Ephesians, uh, chapter two, verse one through ten. I'm I'm gonna read real quick. Uh, I I guess I won't read all of it, but I, I want to read part of it. It says, "All of us once lived among them in the desires of our flesh, as children of Satan." following the wishes of the flesh and the impulses. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest. But God, rich in mercy, because of his great love, brought us to life through Christ. And that God, God that this is me kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but basically God has a plan for each of us. Um, and I also want to read, I'm not going to read, but I'm going to paraphrase 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, verse 12 through 27. So please go read that if you want the exact scripture. But this is Paul speaking about how, like a body, each of us serve it as a different part of the body. We know that God, Jesus Christ, is the head of the church, and we are the body of the church. So I want each of you to know um, that you are all called to an individual purpose through Christ. God has a plan and purpose that's unique to each of us. And that just like how a foot can't really live without a kidney or a liver or a heart or a lung or a finger, for a body to be fully functional, it has to have every single part. And we are the different parts of the body of Christ. So we are all called to do different things, to do different good works, to all of these things. So, so some of you thinking, does that mean I got to like drop everything in my life right now, go preach the gospel, go do all these other things and just like, wander the streets and do all these things um and for some of you (laughs) maybe um but my point here is saying that god will use each of you for his own for his own reasons and each of you uniquely um so i don't want you to feel unimportant or not valuable because we're all valuable to god he gave his only son for us all and so even if just that we are valuable because we have jesus's blood on our soul that gives us value. And God will use us each uniquely and individually. I want you all to remember that. Um, and I would encourage you to pray about that if, if, if you want to explore that more, what God has for all of us. Um, his word is kind of like an instruction book almost. It's kind of a, a handbook. It shows us examples of stories in the past. It shows us God's character in all of the scripture. And especially Paul's epistles help show us how to live a holy life. So I would love it if you guys read that uh, and all those other things. And I, and I want to make one or two more statements before I wrap up real quick. Um, and one is saying, God says, we are his temple. The Holy Spirit resides in us. Um, and that's spiritually and physically. Our spirit is attached to our physical body. And so in that sense, in a way, the Holy Spirit is attached to our spirit within us. So if we are his physical temple and a spiritual temple, um, all of you guys out there that are struggling to get in shape, uh, of course, my podcast is called Jack for Jesus. So I'm, I'm a fitness person myself. I would recommend if any of you guys are struggling with depression and these other things, first step is pray to God, talk to God, seek God. Um, but we should also strive to take care of the gifts God has given us. 
one of those things is time. Um, there's lots and lots of gifts. But I, I want you guys to know that our body is also a gift. So I would encourage you guys to take care of your body. Be active somehow. Try to eat clean. Some of you, that's going to be hard for financial reasons, all these other things. But with what you can do right now, try to take care of yourself. Um, because an unhealthy body can lead to an unhealthy spirit. And the other way around. So I just want to talk about that. Um, and kind of to enunciate on the idea that we're all a different part of a body. Um, in the past, I haven't really done it in a while, but I used to make model kits. Um, and if you guys are interested in what that model kits are, like send me an email at uh, jacksforjesuspodcast at gmail.com. But um, when I'm building a, a model kit, I'm customizing it. I strip swap parts. I sculpt stuff out of epoxy clay and kit bash and glue little pieces of plastic on, and all these other things. In the same way, God has designed all of us and crafted all of us in his in his image, we are all his masterpieces. We are his priceless possessions. He has designed all of us uniquely. And I hope you guys um, understand that, that we're all different and purpose and spirit, physicality, all those other things. So I, I, I want you guys to be encouraged wrapping up, knowing that all of the good work Jesus has done for us, that all of our failures, all of our sins has been wiped clean by Jesus's blood on the cross. And that the Holy Spirit resides in us and that he will lead us and guide us and love us infinitely. And that we cannot find true peace, joy, or love in the temporary world on the earth. But only by looking up and moving the eyes of our hearts to Jesus, to the cross. Um, and what he does. So... All of you who are still listening, thank you very much for listening to me. Um, I appreciate it a lot. Uh, uh, again, my name is Andrew Kufal. If you have any questions, um, check the description of the podcast. There should be a um, Gmail link. And uh, take care of yourselves. Pray to God. Get into the word. Um, thank you so much for listening to me. Uh, I pray that this has just touched a couple of hearts. Uh, that's good enough for me. Um, may the will of God prevail in your guys' lives and my life as well. Uh, and I love you all. <laughs> Have a good rest of your week.